Hello, and welcome once again to Crazy Comics and Stories. It's me, your charming and delightful old Uncle Rap Bastard. And at the other end of this series of tubes and wires that we call the internets is Joe, Crazy Writer. How you doing today, Joe? I, I'm I'm really worried. I mean, when self-driving as, as well cars should be. When self-driving cars become mainstream, dead old people occasionally just arrive at their destinations. Can you imagine it? I can't wait till Grandma gets here. Oh, her car just pulled up and <gasps> I said long ago when we have self-driving cars, you will see people whacking it on their way to work. <laughs> Me, if I still had a commute and I had a self-driving car, I would just nap on the way to work. But as Tesla has proven, you shouldn't do that because you have to take over at times because some of the self-driving cars do not recognize police cars, fire trucks, um, railroad tracks, trains. I like um, trains. When, when the light changes real quick because an emergency vehicle's going through, uh, some pedestrians, et cetera, et cetera. I, in my car, I was driving back from Rochester last night. Minnesota, that is. Yes. And it's got the thing where if there's, you know, if there's something in front of you, the car is going to stop automatically. I'm on the freeway. Nothing is in front of me. But because something blew in front of the the camera, all of a sudden the car just hits the brakes. <laughs> Which scares the shit out of you. And I looked at this. Oh, some plastic bag just kind of flew in front of the car as the wind blew it. So I think there are a lot of bugs that need to be worked out. I think that the self-driving vehicles are going to be used for shipping. You know, 18 wheelers. You'll have a driver who gets it onto the interstate and then it drives until it gets to the city it's going to. And then a driver takes over. But that's just me. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No. We're here to talk about previews. Yay. Because it's been over a month since we've recorded. Yeah. And I always, we're, this is near the end of the month. We're probably going to have another previews episode in the next couple of weeks. It doesn't really matter when we do the previews. Ideally, we'd like to do it as soon as we get the damn thing. But circumstances and bad weather and whatever i'm sure we'll talk about it in the next well couple if weeks. you listen to last week's episode it. because you remember you recorded half oh yeah, yeah recorded half and it explains why it's been so long since we've had a new episode real life has gotten in the way in a way it has not in a long time yeah and so joe and we need to get thing, some we need to get some more uh some more um villains in the can well i, I want to talk to you about that we'll talk off eric because i want you to grab that there previews catalog again this is interactive so it's the previews catalog 424 for january 24 books coming out starting in march and the reason why we still do it even though it's late is you can still go if you hear something and you think hey it sounds good you can still go to your comic retailer and still order it. Matter of fact, I will talk about that when we get to Marvel's because I read something 
And I realize, Paul, I don't even have it on my list, but I'm going to mention it when we get to it. But before we do that, Corey, tell the good folks what's on the covers. All right. First, what's on the cover? It is previews number 424, January 2024. On the comic cover, it is One Piece. A celebration of One Piece manga because, you know, yeah, it's episode one. It's a what book 105 of the One Piece saga, but there are also two other One Piece books that come out. One is a one shot and one is the start of a side quest sort of thing. If you flip it over on the back, it is issue number two of Thundercats. By the way, did you hear how many issues they or that were ordered of Thundercats number one? I saw it in glancing. 175,000. Yeah, that's huge. It's a big property. And then on the spine is a... First off, I'm, I'm going to tell you, whoever this publisher is, do not use ultra-stylized uh, logos on the spine of a previews because I cannot make out what it is. The only reason I know what it is is because there's a website. Visit gungearbooks.com. Stories for the next generation of dreamers and thinkers. That's it, I'm out. So it's gun gear, but it's done with what looks like uh, Nordic runes. So it's basically unreadable. Yeah, poor idea, kids. Poor idea. Yep. However, uh, we should start with DC and Marvel. I will say this, Corey and I had a, a longer discussion than we planned to. We're going to pick it up next week. I It's a wimpy, another wimpy previews. Very much so. Ideally, we can get through it more. And I'm going to try not to dwell on it too much because we're going to talk about it probably. I, I swear, sometimes episodes just write themselves. And Corey and I, we should have just had it all on tape because I, I think we do. We, we talked for about a half hour you know, catching up, but also just talking about just how much i mean i got one two three four five i got five things in dc that i'm going to recommend we should probably revisit in a few weeks what we normally order because i don't think we we haven't done we do that it every year we do it once yeah. a year so because again this is just things in the current previews and in this case the dc connects number 44 uh first thing i got is on page four as you hear me flipping my pages, Batman Dylan Dog, an interesting crossover with DC's world's greatest detective and Sergio Bonelli's nightmare investigator as they unite. I remember Dylan Dog from way back when, when Dark Horse had these digest sized comics called Bonelli's Comics. And I ordered only five of them. There were, I think, what, three, maybe four titles. I ordered five of each. Corey, you know how many I sold off the newsstand? One. Zero. I closed zero the shop with them zero. entirely in my inventory. I, I mean, I had pre-sales. I will say I made a lot of money on them later because as people started to get more and more interested in, I think it was just called Buonelli's Comics, the only way to get them in English was from the old Dark Horse line. And even my brother-in-law, who was really into Dylan Dog, called me and said, hey, do you have any of these? And I go, you know, I do. So here's the crossover. I'm not buying it. It's only three issues in the prestige format. But I will buy the graphic novel, read it, 
and give it to my brother-in-law. But that's I'm pointing this out because if you're a, a Dylan dog fan, if you even remember the property, or just like a decent crossover, this actually looks pretty good. They do give you six pages of the art to look at. The it reads, see how the fates of Batman and Dylan dog intertwine in the past through their lethal nemesis. The Joker, Clown Prince of Crime of Gotham City, and Professor Sabaras. I'm just guessing at that. He's a mad genius with a taste for bringing the dead back to life. Corey? On the next page, Batman Dark Age, number one, written by Mark Russell, art and cover by Mark Allred. This spins out of the Superman Space Age book. Meet Bruce Wayne, Gotham's favorite delinquent son in an origin story like no other. Witness the boy become a dark knight shaped by a city in turmoil as it marches itself toward its prophecy doom. It's uh, it's it's Mike Allred. That's yes. all I need to yeah, say. And uh, this is one I will buy in book because I love all Mike's stuff in books because I reread it. For me, the next one's way up on page 27. Get yes. ready to go bananas in this epic adventure. Get it? A-P-E? Ape real special and uh, you know damn well i'm getting the banana scent variant cover <laughs> this is an absurd amount of bad ape puns please be advised because gorilla got grads and says certain oh thank you in the pages of flash had left a void in mushir malas he is more than happy to fill it ape assembling a group of the DC Universe's most sinister simians, Allah forms the Legion of. <laughs> um, with an eye towards world dom ape nation. Domination. See, even I can't get these ape puns going. So, are you ready for the forthcoming ape apocalypse? Hey, um, we just read them. We don't write them. Hey, it's it's gorillas. I, of I got I, comics with gorillas. No, I was. Uh, I, I'll talk about this in freaking and geeking, but I, I went with a friend of mine to uh, one of the sales in town last weekend, and as we're digging through books, I ran across the uh, DC special, and I don't recall if I bought it. It was ah, got it. DC Special presents number 16, Superheroes Battle Super Gorillas. And there I showed up him and he said, What? I said, Oh, I said, I I don't get it, but during the 50s and 60s, if they put an ape on the cover of a comic book, it sold more than anyone around it. Yep. So apes sell. We love this monkey. What do you got next for us, Corey? Um, if you go to page 37. We have two facsimile editions. Oddly enough, Detective Comics 411, which has a Neil Adams cover, but the interior is drawn by Bob Brown. The Pursuit of Dr. Wait, didn't Frank Zappa do a song about him? Hey there, people, it's Bobby Brown. Different Bob Brown. Oh, oh, okay. Of course, Dick Jerry John would never be seen with that Bobby Brown. But this is a Ross Ghoul story about the League of Assassins. But then underneath it. I think it's 
Tala's first comic book appearance. That's why it's yes. such a big deal. Underneath it is limited collector's edition number 51, facsimile edition. This is a 76-page story by Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Irv Novak, and Dick Giordano. Reprinting, I'm sorry, presenting 76 pages of adventure featuring the Dark Knight, giant ep, epic giant size, was tabloid size. Yeah. I actually this iconic it. Bronze Age tabloid featuring a wraparound cover by Neil Adams and collects the Ross Ghoul story. Um, produced with Denny O'Neill, Batman 232, 242, 43, and 44. And if you dare, you could get the foil variant cover. I'm buying yeah. the foil variants of both of these because I've got the foil variant of um, All-Star number three, which was first appearance of the Justice Society. And Joe will testify in court that I'm not a special cover person, but damn, those foil covers are amazing. Yeah, they are fun. I'm just curious because this is a tabloid size, 11 inches by 13 inches. I, I, you know, I've seen way too many foil covers from both Marvel and DC come, and they're always like a little bit of ding, a little bit of scratch, a little bit of whatever. I, it'll, if you get yours in mint shape, I wouldn't even read the damn thing. I would just tack it away and keep it safe. Um, I've got a treasury size bag and board, Corey, if you want. So, because uh, I've got treasury size flown around somewhere in my vast accumulation of crap. But yeah, the foils are way cool and not that much more expensive. I mean, it's 20 bucks for foil, it's 15 bucks for the regular. So, buy them both. One to read, one to keep in min minty mint shape. Anything else, Joe? I'm going to back up. I got two more things. Uh, on page 34, 35. There you got your original graphic novels. These aren't for you and I, Corey. These are standard. What they're doing, they're doing them in standard comic size now. And they're just, I would call them all ages. These are the type of books, if you got a young child interested in Batman, Robin, or in Primer, this is what you give them to get their love of comics going. And I applaud them because they're in standard comic size now instead of the small tablet size although i do like well, the small tablet size well what it is they are reprinting these um as regular comics so these have been out already and i, I think that's a brilliant idea on page 41 a couple absolutes if you've never gotten them before absolute batman arkham asylum by some guy grant morrison some new cat, I guess. And then down below, Absolute Batman, The Dark Knight, Master Race. These are 2024 editions. I don't recall if they've been in Absolute format before. Absolute Batman Arkham Asylum has been because I own it. Okay, cool. So here's your chance if you missed it. I say that because I pulled out recently not only my JLA Avengers Absolute and read it. I reread, I should say reread it. I also read my crisis one and of course they both come with the little books that are the addendums that tell you every single thing in the what's going on where the characters were where they came from where they're going characters that you might not have noticed in the background because Perez had a way of drawing such beautiful small figures I had so much fun rereading the crisis absolute and then reading the uh, companion book with it so I, I do like the absolutes and, you know, why not? Just another, you probably own it. How many different formats? Here's another one. 
That's it. And for me. I, I still remember when an artist at DC told us flat out, DC will never, ever reprint Crisis on Infinite Earths ever for any yep. reason. Never, never. Never, never. So never say never. Um, my last one is on page 44. I'm still wavering on it. But it is Nightwing, A Night in Bloodhaven, Compendium 1. This is the early Nightwing series. Uh, Chuck Dixon, Denny O'Neill, Devin Grayson, art by Scott McDaniel, Carl Story, and others. It is the Nightwing miniseries, first 25 issues of the regular series, and everything that ties into it, which is a lot. Uh, 1,024 pages for $60. Basically, it's an omnibus, but it's soft cover, so they call it a compendium. Yeah, I got it in Starman, a couple other compendiums as well. It's fun, fun way to read it if you don't want to dig up the back issues. I think all I don't, what, does that cover that infamous rape issue, or is that later oh, on in that run? That's way later on. That's okay. Yeah, that's in the that's in the high 90s. So this is like. One through 25, The Wizard Presents, The Annual, The Half Issue. Yeah, this is some good stuff. Compendiums are a lot of fun. Above it is Booster Gold, the complete series book one, if you've never picked it up the first time around. And now on to Marvel. Dun, dun, dun. I start out right on page two with something that I was wavering on, but because it was kind of a wimpy month for me, I decided to pick it up. Ultimate X-Men number one, written and drawn by Peach Momoku. Momoku. Yep. I may even try to pronounce it. Isako, I'm going to try it. Ichiki is a teenage girl who just wants to live a normal life, go to school, hang out with her friends, ignore the political strife broiling over after the events of Ultimate Invasion. But life has other plans for her. In Japan, urban legends have sprung to life and brought some unusual new powers with them. Meet Armor, Maystorm, and a group of new Ultimate X-Men, the likes of which you've never seen before. Tons of different variant covers. I was a little disappointed Dynamic Forces did not have a signed variant with Peach, because that's one of the signatures in my collection I have yet to pick up. However, they usually are a month behind. So we'll see what happens in February. But again, it was a slow month. I was initially going to pass on this. And then I just, ah, give it a shot. It's a one. I had to go with it. I made sure to get a uh, one that Peach actually did. Although the other one. Did you see how Ultimate Spider-Man number one is already commanding big money? It's going to a third printing already. And it just came out like what? A week ago? Two weeks ago? I know. I'm so glad I got mine coming. I've been hearing so much good stuff about it. We warned you. Also, if you go to page six, new series, Spectacular Spider-Men. This is not a one-shot. It is a regular series of Peter Parker and Miles Morales working together as a team. It's um, written by Greg Weissman. Drawn by Umberto Ramos. Kind of surprised that they're doing this, but hey, I like the Miles Morales stuff. I like the Peter Parker stuff. I like Umberto Ramos. Looking forward to this book. And I'm pissed about it because last month I had to order it sight unseen and I didn't. 
and now I'm like, oh, so I'm just going to call up my, my local comic store and say, hey, pull me one. Because, again, tons of variant covers, some to be announced. But, yeah, it sounds fun. I have since changed my MO. So when I do run across a number one, and I have no idea what it is because, again, sometimes when we're ordering, they make you, oh, you have to order this for next month. What the hell is it about? Well, that just means at the time that it was time to order it, Marvel wanted it ordered ahead of time, even though it's not going to be out until next month's their previews. But I also found out if I can Google the name, I'll get a, a heads up as to what it is. So that's never going to happen to me again. But it's just bullshit because Marvel, can't you get your fucking act in order? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, I wanted that Ultimate Invasion Treasury Edition. Oh, yeah. And the ordering on it was so weird that DCB Service said, yeah, we, we missed out. We didn't list it because it was one of those where you had to order it the month before it was in previews. And we didn't realize that. So I will next time we go geeking, I will probably be hunting for it because I'll I do look want for that it book. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Well, if it's, it's not out. out. Okay. It's not out for it's a couple more months. Okay, because I could I could always, you know, I do buy things through the source. I could always ask them just to pull one for me. If you don't think you can, you know, because again, things are, things are coming out and selling out fast. There was a Captain Carrot figure through McFarland that I really, really wanted. It came out while I was in Reno over Christmas. Nobody's got them. They're 50 bucks plus on eBay. Jeez. And I'm like, I just wanted the one F figure. I can't even order direct from McFarland. And I, again. McFarland's doing a kick-ass job on these figures. I find more and more I've been buying these figures just because they look so damn cool. I saw the Red Tornado in the stores the other day, and I was like, oh, wow, are these good. And when you find them in the wild, they're usually anywhere from $20 to $30, depending on the venue. And occasionally you'll find them like at Walmart and Target. They're blowing them out for like – they're liquidating them for like $10, $15 to make room for the next wave. So – Total sidebar. The next one I'm looking at, page nine, Jackpot and Black Cat, number one. Four-issue miniseries bringing together Jackpot, a.k.a. Mary Jane Watson and Black Cat. This is her first, Mary Jane's, first action-packed limited series as a superhero alongside the Black Cat. When someone blackmails Black Cat into a Public and blatant crime spree. Jackpot comes to her aid. Lots of variant covers. Lots of fun. On the next page, we're getting another Ghost Rider number one by the same writer who was doing the regular Ghost Rider book. Why is this getting a new number one? Because Johnny Blaze is Ghost Rider again. This is one of those I kind of wavered on. Yeah. But I read Timeless number one, which kind of feed in it fed into that you know as timeless always does and uh they give you some pages of art I'll, I'll pick it up off the newsstand i'll give it a read for first six issues see what it is i also want to point out on page 17 yes web of spider-man number one this is not a relaunch of the series you know how timeless is a comic that 
pretty much gives hints for what's coming up for the Marvel Universe for the next year. Web of Spider-Man number one is going to be that for the Spider-Man books. It's going to have, um, let's see, 2024 is is primed to be one of the biggest years in spider history. In the pages of this one shot, we're going to lay out some of the biggest upcoming spider stories and characters in the Spider-Verse through the beginning of 2025. You're not going to want to miss this. Marvel's doing more and more of these, and I actually like them because they are kind of set up as a story that also is a tease. So it's a good one-shot, one, you know, one and done. We've also got a new Symbiote Spider-Man 2099 by Peter David. I will take That's a on quick page moment 20. to mention that Peter David is still recovering from a stroke. If you there's a GoFundMe set up for them, the Peter David Fund, his wife posts every so often. Peter's doing fine. They're hurting because they're running out of money and insurance is stopped paying and this is stopped paying. If you are able to, if you've enjoyed Peter David's work in the past, and I love Peter David's one of those guys who could write the phone book and I would pick it up and it would be fascinating. Uh, Go find the GoFundMe, dollars $15,000, $200,000, whatever you got, help them out if you can. And, of course, picking up anything Peter Dave has written helps because they get royalty checks for it. But it uh, sounds like a fun story anyways. Should we go to the um, facsimile editions? Before you do that, I do want to point out the book I mentioned earlier. I read Timeless. And a book I wasn't even going to mention because I was kind of like, oh, man, you're revisiting this. It's not that great. But on page 29, Weapon X-Men number one. After reading Timeless, it kind of fed into this book. And I was like, oh, I got to get it. So I called up my shop. I said, hey, put this on my pull list. Four issue miniseries. Kudos, Marvel. That's what you need to do. If you're going to make a book, like same thing with Ghost Rider, catch my interest because there's a lot of noise out there, and this is a way to do it. So I'm going to pick up. It's a four-issue miniseries. In the original X-Men, you saw Phoenix recruit the young X-Men to fix yet another time-displaced disaster. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. It wasn't timeless. It was original X-Men, something we talked about when it first came out. You read the story. It's exactly what it is. Phoenix took the young X-Men, the ones that we saw that were time displaced a couple years ago during Hickman's run, to fix another time displaced disaster. But now the threat's deadlier than ever. It's time to call in the X-Men's big gun. He's the best there is at what he does in every universe he does it in. And this job's too big for just one of them. Wolverines from across the multiverse converge to take on a foe even the Phoenix fears. With friends like Zombie Wolverine, who needs enemies? The kicker for me is this is Weapon X from Age of Apocalypse. And I love the Age of Apocalypse characters. I thought it was a shame we'd never see him again, especially I love the rendition they had of Wild Child. He's back. An original X-Men I picked up just to read it. When I read it, I was like, oh, shit. I got to get wet of an X on my list. So if you haven't, go pick up original X-Men. It's out. 
Weapon X out in a couple months. You've been warned. Now, for the facsimiles, they are still reprinting the the saga of the black costume, the Spider-Man stuff with Spider-Man 254. And we're up to Marvel's secret, Marvel's superhero Secret Wars issue number three. But also on the next page, Wolverine number one by Claremont and Buscema. Which I remember not wanting to like at the time because it's like, ah, Wolverine gets his own series. Now we're going to have a bajillion different X-Men books. And we did. But I like the 10 issues that Claremont and Buscema did. Because it's John Buscema. This stuff well, is yeah, always they, good. They went to uh, Matapur, which I was like, mm-hmm. but it was fun. I'm going to so, wish, you know, I'm going to wish I picked up those Marvel Secret Wars facsimiles. <laughs> I have not been. Oh, are they even out yet? Have they started uh, to come out Number yet? one, I think, is out. Well, you'll be able to pick them up. They're going to be everywhere. I got the omnibus if I want to read it. The one, the big one that's going to, that everybody should buy if you just are looking to flip some, obviously will be number eight. Because even reprints of number eight, the first black Superman, Superman, first black Spider-Man costume (laughs) is crazy. Whether it's a reprint from this or reprint from the toy or whatever. I've got people that have sets of Marvel secret heroes that they picked up cheap except for the number eight and they just can't find it. The funny thing is, and this is starting to gain a peep. The actual first appearance was Marvel team up that month. And I'd have to look up to see what it is. Cause I believe it came out a week before Marvel superheroes, secret wars, number eight. So technically that's the first appearance. Although it takes place after they all got back from the secret wars confused. Forget about it. Confused? You won't be after tonight's episode of Soap. Yeah, yeah. Just just uh, people rambling. I'm page that's, 65. I was going to say, that's all I have until we get to the trades. Well, for me, I'm page 65. I have not been picking up the Aliens series, but Marvel's putting the what if into the Aliens series. What if Aliens, number one? What if Carter Burke had lived? That's the one played by Paul Reiser. He was the conniver guy who tried to get Ripley and Newt infected with the aliens and drag him back to Earth. Instead, he got locked in a lab and assumably killed. But what if he had lived? Because for years, fans of James Cameron's legendary aliens questioned whether Carter Burke, a company man more hateable than the Aliens themselves, had he actually survived the traumatic events on that terraforming colony? Now the actor behind the beloved villain, Paul Reiser himself, joins his son, Leon, and a star-studded team of writers and producers. They make a journey back into Hadley's hope and the twisted escape of a man who should have died. I'm telling you, Paul... Please, please, please sign one of these bad boys somewhere because I really, I really want it. And I just, it's a brilliant concept. Dark Horse did it a little bit with some really well-received Star Wars stuff. I'm hoping Marvel continues this with the Predators, with Star Wars. Why not? You own it all. Do what you want. 
that's it for me. This was probably my lightest load on trade paperbacks since I started going all in on Omnis. All in. First up is the X-Men Mutant Massacre Prelude Omnibus, which is all the stories that led up to uh, the Mutant Massacre. I'm not getting it. I have these. I have reprints of these. I don't need it again. It just doesn't need it. On the next page is a book Joe should probably get because he bought all these books. We were going to review them, and we we never did. That is Spider-Man Brand New Day. What? Never, never heard of it. This is Spider-Man 546 to 583. It's on my uh, to-do list, okay? This was actually, I know a lot of people hated it because of the reset button, but this was a fun run of books. It was written by Dan Slott, Bob Gale, Mark Wade, Joe Kelly, Mark Guggenheim, Zeb Wells, Roger Stern, Brian Reed, Matt Fraction, and Stuart Moore. And what they did, they did, they basically, rather than having three or four Spider-Man books a month, they said, we're just going to have one Spider-Man book a month. But they kind of set it up the way they did the Triangle era in Superman. Where the writers would all get together, plan out the book for a year, and then write their portions of it. And I really enjoyed this era. Why am I not picking up this omnibus? Because I've got it, and I've got it in trade paperback, and I don't need it again. On the next page, these are all reprints. They're reprinting Daredevil by Bendis and Maliv, which is the start of Brian Michael Bendis's run on Daredevil. They're reprinting Daredevil Shadowland, which is god-awful, and don't read it or you will hate yourself for reading it. I'm, I'm not saying it's Star Blast level, but it's really close. On the next page is Amazing Spider-Man by J. Michael Straczynski, Omnibus Volume 2, also a reprint. Then, X-Factor, the original X-Men Omnibus Volume 1. Joe, do you remember X-Factor? Yes. Do you remember the premise it had when it started? The original X-Men, who had reformed because Jean Grey was alive, reformed, and they would be, by day, mutant hunters. By night, they were actually taking the mutants they hunted and trying to save them. Which was a stupid idea. (laughs) And as soon as as, uh, Jim Shooter was gone, they jettisoned that put Louise Simonson and Walt Simonson in charge to say, can you write the ship? Because this is a really, really, really stupid idea. And they, you know, they turned it into kind of an X-Men book. And I've got it in the essential format. It's not good enough for me to pick up as an omnibus because while Louise Simonson and Walt Simonson are both great creators, it took so long for them to kind of you know, when you're, uh, it's winter. Joe, what are you supposed to do with, when you're sliding on the ice? Turn into it. Right. They had to turn into the slide in order to write the, the, the book. And it took almost 20 issues 
after they took over before it's okay it doesn't have that level of suck anymore these are the issues that had that level of suck and it immediately goes into a big crossover of the mutant massacre which is why hey that mutant massacre prelude has the first eight issues of x factor so if if you're buying both these you're double dipping this is not a book that I really can see myself reading again. And if I did, it would be eh, the, the, the essentials good enough. Yeah. I, I read the essentials a while back and again, it was hot because it was all oh, the original X-Men are back. They went through the fantastic four where Jean gray came back and everybody was all hyped for it. It was like, yeah. although it was fun when they finally did meet each other up with the original X-Men. And it was so poorly put together that you know Scott Summers left his wife, uh, and they didn't follow up on that for like two years, till someone at Marvel finally went, "Hey, wait a minute! Scott left his wife and child. Who's following up on that? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you?" Yeah. And the next page is Star Wars Legends. Whenever it's Star Wars Legends, that means it's the stuff that's now no longer continuity. Tales of the Jedi Omnibus. I have all this stuff in the uh, Dark Horse Omnibuses that they did before they lost the rights. So this is the Star Wars stuff thousands of years before A New Hope. So it's the, and what do they call it? The Old Empire. Now, they call it the Old Empire Times. So none of these characters are people you know. <laughs> none of them are characters that are ever referenced again. But if you want some, you know, some good Star Wars stuff that was done in the 90s and 2000s, this is okay. How sad is it that I have gone through? I'm not getting a single omnibus, Joe. Not one. I, like am, I don't even know you. I'm picking up a trade paperback. Hey. And that is on page 96. Contest hey. of Chaos. I'm picking that up, too which is reprinting the crossover that was in the Marvel annuals last year. Yeah. Agatha Harkness wants a new Darkhold, and she's using Earth's heroes to get it. The Contest of Chaos is on, and it's basically a bunch of team-up stories. The, one I the ones I've read on the Marvel Unlimited app have been fun. I like crossovers. There we go. Also want to point out on page 103, Probably the best Avengers book in a good long time, and it only lasted six issues. No, I'm sorry, five issues. Avengers Incorporated. Yeah. It was canceled with issue five. Um, the Wasp creates a new style of avenging. You know, I don't want to go off of Trek culture's shtick, you know, ups and downs. Although they, they you know... Siskel and Ebert did it too. But really, Marvel, that's a freaking down. You got an awesome concept and you canned it instantly. Because it didn't sell. Oh. Which, you know, I don't know why. It just didn't sell. Okay, then you people out there, you get the <laughs> thumbs down. Because it, it was good. It is good. I saw, I just read the one issue last night. On the uh, next page, page 104, Miracle Man, The Silver Age, the Neil Gaiman, Mark Buckingham story that took 25 years to complete. 
25 years. <laughs> uh, this is one where I they're going to be putting out a Neil Gaiman Miracle Man Omnibus, so I'm waiting for that. Yeah, I'll probably get that too. <laughs> when we get to the epic line, we have a modern epic collection. Who is the Red Hulk? The Jeff Loeb, Ed McGinnis, uh, Art Adams, Frank Cho stuff. Volume 6 in the Hulk Modern Era Epic Collections. So I'm imagining that the modern era is going to be starting when Peter David left. We then have West Coast West Coast Avengers, number 7. This is near the end of the run, written by Roy Thomas. You got some art by Herb Trimpey, Dave Ross, MC Wyman, Mike Manley, Gene Colan. On the next page, Captain America Epic Collection, The Man Who Sold the United States, Volume 6. This is the end of the Steve Englehart run and the and the Kirby run up to issue 200, which is one of my favorite Captain America stories of all time. It also has the Marvel Treasury special, Captain America's Bicentennial Battles. I'm not picking this one up because, again, I've got it in omnibuses and I don't need to double dip. Thunderbolts Epic Collection. This is some fantastic superhero stuff. This is the second of the Thunderbolts, starting the second year. So it's uh, issues 13 through 25. As Baron Zemo's plan has failed, Thunderbolts are exposed as villains in disguise. Worse, they've been kidnapped to the realm of Cosmos. How far will Moonstone go to get them home? And have they reformed? This was because the first year was about Baron Baron Zemo's plan with them pretending to be heroes. This is after the plan falls apart and them now trying to be heroes. So it flips the idea on its head. Really like this run of books. Um, Then we got a new printing of Star Wars Epic Collection, The New Republic, which is all the stuff between... Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, including Shadows of the Empire. And then the last of the epic collections is X-Men Epic Collection, Fatal Attractions, number 23. Joe, what was the Fatal Attraction story? I don't remember. Wolverine gets all his adamantium pulled out by Magneto. That's right, with all the hologram covers in that. Yes. So now you can buy it as an epic collection without the hologram covers. Cool. Although I keep finding them in like dollar bins. So oh, yeah. maybe you're better off just hunting them. So there we go. That's Marvel. Hey, that's Marvel. Everything else. Everything else. So grab your big previews. The first thing I'm going to point out is on page 32. Not quite in there, but here they're starting to list the free comic book day comics. So you can decide which ones you want to get. We, of course, go to our buddy Tim up in Granite City in St. Cloud. He puts together boxes for people that can buy, and he costs them out to us because he knows we're going to talk about him and, and everything that we pick up. So if you are prone to get a full set, this is the time where you probably want to talk to your not only your comic shop but also look because starting page 39 is all the other fun stuff there's a cool commemorative t-shirt by terry moore 
There's a poster. There's a vinyl sticker. And, of course, Tim is going to get me the free comic book day delivery van, which is offered on page 43 because I like diecast cars. And you only had to buy a box of six. I said, you got one sold. He thinks you could sell the other five. And I said, if not, I'll buy them because I really, I think this is not going to be a common item and will be hard to find on the Ebays. I say that because in the past, they used to have action figures that were meant to be given away or sold for a buck or two, previewing an upcoming series and nobody ordered them i was the only shop and at the time it was crazy comics that ordered them i gave a few away i had like 10 of them left and in the next couple months they went up to 20 30 a piece because nobody ordered them there's oodles of stuff available though you can get your tin titan spider-man 2099 lunchbox the exclusive beverage container there are fleece blankets there are pop figures so you know brian's already way over that a dupe pin, a dupe plush, I'm sorry. I want a dupe plush. A shadow to, yeah, there, it's all sorts of fun things, including hats and t-shirts. So just talk to your comic book shop. They can order them for you because it's not that far away till we hit it. And I know that um, DCB service has already had where you can order them. Yep. So that time has passed with them. Talk to your local comic shop if you want any of that. The sooner the better. And if they're not able to get it for you, well, it was in last month's. We can. Yep. We'll, we'll, in we'll last month's too. give Granite City Comics, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Talk to Tim. He'll figure a way to get it to you. Tim likes money. I'm going to make it easy because I got nothing from Boomer Dynamite this month. Same. Okay, let's jump into image. Starting on page 127. Right there on page, right on top there, Feral number one. It's a new horror from the creator of Stray Dogs. Meet Elsie, Lord Fluffy Britches, and Patch. Three indoor cats lost in the not-so-great outdoors during a nightmarish rabies outbreak. Without their humans to protect them, the cats rush to find their way home before they're eaten by a forest full of rabid beasts on their trails. Don't get bit. Don't get scratched. Don't become feral. Three different series covers to choose from, including the blank sketch covers. So that's what starts out image for me. What you got for us, Corey? Um, page 128. That's where they have the new collections. There are three right on that page. Oh, yeah. Astro City Metro Book, which reprints Astro City 11 through 16 and 25 through 34. Right on Astro City is Kurt Music. And it says Alex Ross of Various. It's mostly drawn by Brent Anderson. with, And he draws in a very Buscema style for this book. This is stories of superheroes, but they're not told like regular superhero stories. A lot of them are told as if it's through the bystanders and the people around. It's a very different perspective as superhero universe. Right under that, Creep Show, Volume 2, reprinting the five issues of the Creep Show Anthology comic, which is uh, very much a gorier version with more sex of EC Comics. I, I like these. I really do. And then under that is a book I have heard about but never bought. 
and that is Descender, written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by Dustin Wen. The complete Eisner Award-winning epic science fiction series is finally collected in one soft cover compendium. Young robot boy Tim Two and his companions struggle to stay alive in a universe where androids have been outlawed and bounty hunters lurk on every planet. And for me, that is pretty much it for image, because after that is the um, books that come out that have been coming out. They always have their new stuff in the beginning. There's a couple of things I'll point out for new series. Last Mermaid number one. You're on the same page. Just go up into that left-hand corner. Series premiere, A Lone Mermaid Roams Endless Wasteland on a Quest Beyond Reason. To press ever onward, she must survive the interminable stretches between tiny pockets of water, the roaming bands of cybernetic cannibals, and the fearsome mutant beast. What propels her to take such a risk? Straight down. Sam and Twitch Case Files. Another, they call it series premiere. I love it. Your fan favorite detectives are back in their new ongoing series, Sam and Twitch Case Files from the world of Spawn. I love the original run. And again, I'll probably pick this up when it comes out in trades. The other trade I'm picking up, if you flip to page 130 and not get a paper cut, Sex Criminals Compendium. Again, all 30... One award-winning, headline-grabbing, head-spinning, genre-defying issues of sex criminals collected in one soft, unthreatening volume celebrating its 10th-ish anniversary. When Susie and John have sex, time stops. Literally. So they have lots of sex. Fall in love, and she start robbing banks until they find out they're not alone. Okay, you had me at sex. I mean, uh, time stops. You know I love time stories like that. I love this series, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely love this series. I kept falling away from it. It was one of those, okay, I'll pick it up and trade. Boom. You got a compendium. I'll pick it up that way. The only other thing I will point out is way on page 138, Invincible, Escape from Mars game, based on the best-selling Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otterly comic book series, Invincible. It's a social deduction game. Social deduction game. Four to ten players where your objective is to find your teammates, get on the rocket, and escape from Mars. But loyalties can change at any moment, including your own. I've actually, when I get together with some of my friends every so often, we'll get together for just random nights. We start playing games. And I think this is one I'm going to pull out and pick up because it sounds interesting. And it doesn't even necessarily need to. You know, I'll get a kick out of the Invincible characters, but I think just the way the game sounds, you know, it's not something that you need to know. That's it for me for Image. Next up, Titan. A couple of things I'll point out, and Corey will probably... Actually, Corey, you point them out because you're an omnibus guy. Well, they've already solicited these, but they are listing them again, and that is the original Conan the Barbarian comics run which is um let's see issues one through 26 and material from strange tales one through four this reprints the marvel omnibus they say it's looking better than ever everything has been rescanned with um basically they've done some color restoration 
and rescanned everything. Then on the next is Savage Sword of Conan. Reprint Savage Tales 1 through 5 and Savage Sword of Conan 1 through 12. Again, this reprints what Marvel printed in theirs. These were solicited already, but they are relisting them here. They're actually coming out in March, which normally, if you order an omnibus, it comes out six to nine months later. So basically, They're obviously on the way. They're in the slow boat coming over from the printer. Yes. So if you're going to get a Conan omnibus, these are the two to get. Because the first one is all of the Barry Windsor Smith stuff. And the second one is the real early days of the black and white magazine where the artists were just knocking themselves out because it was, we're finally going to get good printing. We don't have to worry about coloring. John Buscema is being inked by these Filipino artists who worshipped his art and just added a level of detail you could not get in a regular comic. Roy Thomas was at the at his peak at this point, in my opinion. And these are just beautiful, beautiful books. Excellent reads. We also have on page 148 the second trade paperback of the Titan run of Conan. It does not say what it reprints, but it reprints issues 5 through 10. And I this is one I actually read as a regular comic. So it's well worth it. It's really good Conan stuff. And Doug Braithwaite, who's the artist, I swear he is channeling John Buscema. Especially with Conan's face, it looks exactly like the face that Buscema used for Conan all those years. Absolutely love this stuff. Joe? On page 160 is a paperback book I'm going to pick up from Titan, Doctor Strange Dimension War, writer James Lovegrove. He is apparently a New York Times bestselling author. The mind-bending original adventures of Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, are brought to life for a new era. That's it. Boy, you're really it's, not knocking yourself out, Titans, are you? But it's I a like hardcover. I know. So. The only thing that is keeping me from buying it here is it says it's adapted from the classic stories by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. So if he's just writing up the war with Dormammu, I'd rather read the comics. I'll let you know when I read it. Okay. You, read, you read my copy. We're, we're good at that. Aftershock is still not publishing anything new. Actually, was there something? I got to look up something here. They do have a page spotlighting all the stuff Garth Ennis wrote for oh, them. Oh, yeah. Page 169. Yeah. Let's see. What do I got next? I'm on page 214. You got anything before page 214? Let me take a look. I'm in, got... I'm in Dark Horse already. Yeah. So I'm 214. I'll give you a couple seconds to flop forward. Dudley Datsun, another New York Times bestselling creator, Scott Snyder. You probably heard of him. Jamie Ingle. This is a rocking sci-fi adventure story about a boy, his dog, and a machine that controls time and space. Oh, you got me. Time. What could go wrong? Have you ever wondered why all the great figures in history had a pet companion? If they were all, you know, running from the same. What if they're all running from the same mysterious threat 
Such questions have never crossed the mind of Dudley Dotson, a 15-year-old with a perchant for invention. But when dastardly foes turn his world upside down, Dudley is going to have to start facing things beyond his wildest imagination in this modern-day fable. All the variant covers are listed except one, so you can pick what you want. Again, got my attention. I'll probably wait for a trade because I generally I find with Dark Horse's stuff, Unless I know it's a miniseries, I like to read it more as a trade. That's and it I for also, Dark Horse wise. I also want to point out again: there's no EC volume, there's no Warren volume. I don't Conspiracy? know what that means, but it's been mm. two months. You're pissing him off. <sighs> oh well. IDW is next. Let's see. I've got something on page two twenty-two. Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 2. Worlds collide a second time. So if you like the first one, you'll like the second one. And I like the first one. But now I'm looking at what I have my order list, and I'm like, did I actually order it, or did I miss it? Oh, well, I can always pick it up later. On page 225, if I had a lot more money, I would be buying Chris Samney's Black Widow Artist Edition. But I don't, so instead I will be picking up the EC Covers Artisan Edition. What it is, the Artisan Edition is also shot from the original art, but it's on its regular comic book size. It's not on the same paper. The Artisan Editions are the same size as the original art. They're printed on the same paper as the original art. They're glorious. The Artisan Editions are okay. And they're what I can afford. <laughs> and that's it for me for um, IDW. On the same page as 225 across from the Artisan Edition, you got Star Trek Day of Blood, which is the graphic novel of the big crossover event that just happened in all of IDW Star Trek stuff. So it's got uh, the free comic book day thing, Star Trek Day of Blood, Bookends, Star Trek, Star Trek Defiance, Star Trek Day of Blood, Shaq's Best Day. Uh, the gist of the story, of course, is Kalis II has consolidated his power because he's the emperor of the Klingon Empire. He's raided ancient tombs, secret bunkers, taken the powers of the gods for himself, stolen the Bajoran Orb of Destruction, and has become a slaughtering, just slaughtering across the stars. But this genocide of gods was just the beginning, for he's about to declare war on all those who do not follow the red path. I bowed out of IDW's regular comics because I wanted to read this and done in one, and so I shall. Joe, go to page 227. I'm getting the signed edition. You can get another Cerebus number one. Woohoo! From Dave Sims, so you know that it's real. Yes. <laughs> Somebody out there has my real one. Says to Joe, owner of a real, genuine number one. But I think I've got a facsimile edition somewhere. Because I thought they were doing facsimiles of various books that they had. But, you know, here's standard edition, signed edition. And I figured for ten dollars more, I'll go for the signed edition because it's go. remastered, restored. See how it all began. And if you like pop-up books, right across from it, there's a 
Here comes Charlie Brown Peanuts Papa book. Hooray! Now, I don't have another comic for quite a while. All right. What what page? 251 is where I pick up. All right. I got a couple. I've only actually got two before we jump in there. So the two I'll point out on page 239 from Amaze Inc. Egg Story, Revisited Edition. The first in a series of re-releases, or as we call them, facsimiles, of the classic slave labor publishing books from our 35-year history. That's obviously Slave Graver Amazing talking. This one is a favorite. Farm fresh eggs break out of the refrigerator, determined to live life on their own terms in this hilarious and surreal story of hope, dreams, murder-suicide, and ninja fighting. It's all about eggs, but it could be about any of us. Again, my, I, it just sounds fun. On page 243, in case you missed it, there is the Night of the Living Dead Complete Collected Limited Edition Dust Jacket Hardcover Signed and Remarked. Only 200 copies made. Three signatures, an original art remarked drawing. Maybe allocated, so get your orders in early, kids. Okay, what you got next, Corey? If you go to page 251, Betty and Veronica Decades, the 1970s. Jump back to the Bronze Age with America's sweethearts, Betty Cooper and Veronica Large, as the pair were both best friends and raging rivals. Basically, it's a bunch of 70s Betty and Veronica stories. I like when they do these um, sort of, they're not really trade paperbacks, but they're also not really digests. They're kind of in between, but they're themed. And the 70s was when I was reading these books, so... Of course, I'm going to be interested in the stories they were doing in the 70s. Joe? Let's see. Next for me. Page 276. Seven Years in Darkness, Year Two. Welcome to Year Two at the Academy of Black Magic. The 59 surviving apprentices advance into their second year of studies at the new class of mages. This inaugural tale for year two follows a magically gifted student, Honey, who finds herself the target of a parasitic entity intent on corrupting and ultimately devouring her soul. Two covers to choose from, four-issue miniseries. Now that's what Harry Potter should have been. <laughs> Corey? I really don't have anything for quite a while, Joe. So my next book is actually all the way up to page 306. Well, I've only got two between them and there. So I'm going to point you out to page 277. Classic Illustrated is redoing their books. More expensive than they were originally, but if you want a decent Classic Illustrated to read, just check it out every month. This month, The Black Arrow, Crime and Punishment, the Red Badge of Courage, and The Deer Slayer. They're $9.95 apiece. But if you don't want to read the classic, read the illustrated. Then on page 287, I just want to, I, I don't know, it's, it's D-S-T-L-R-Y, Distillery. I think how you said it. It says, do not miss these. They give you a nice QRC code that you can scan or you can go to the website. All three of their items got my attention. 
Page 288, White Boat. A new series. It's horror, suspense, action. Then on the next page, spectro Spectrograph number one. Blood Mothers number one. As you continue forward, you get the write-up on it. On page 290, white boats are mega yachts that the super rich use to travel the globe, floating islands where your every desire can be fulfilled. And getting invited on board, one should be getting invited on board should be a dream come true until the crew traps and transports you to a remote island where secret cults have existed for a millennia, working on something called the Human Project. Does the white boat ship call you to paradise or sink you into hell on earth? Scott Snyder, Francisco Francavilla. And again, you got the little scan me code so you can sign up. Maybe you get a preview on it. Spectrograph starts on page 292. For years, the mansion has sat strangely nestled into the coastline, just a short drive north of Los Angeles. Rumors have haunted the place for years. Its owner, a titan of American industry, with a strange fascination in the occult and the paranormal. For decades, the richest men and women in the country has whispered to each other, trying to understand what he was building alone in that mansion for all those years. Now finally was his death, and his estate is finally open for sale. They are eager to find out for themselves. The final is on page 293, the Blood Brothers Mother Number 1. In the Old West, three children set off across the wild Texas frontier to rescue their mother, kidnapped by ruthless outlaws who gunned down their preacher father. Throughout their journey, they'll face harsh elements of an unforgiving landscape, deadly animals hungry for blood, mercenary bounty hunters, and so much more, all in a relentless quest to rescue their family. Distillery, I don't know what you're doing, but keep it up because you got my attention. All three of their new releases this month, I, I'm definitely going to be looking at. Corey? On page 306, Fantagraphics, the Atlas Comics Library, number two. Mm-hmm. Venus, Volume 2. What is Venus? Venus was a comic that came out in 1948, so it was kind of after the superhero boom. They thought that they could kind of mix superheroes with romance, so they did a book about Venus. The first nine issues were in the Marvel Masterwork Atlas era Venus. It has, um, let's see here, Stories on the Trials of Tribulation, a magazine publishing immense smitten by her beauty, soon gave way to mythological tales of a fantasy adventure bent. Increasingly dark in tone, Venus's adventures began to feature scheming Olympian villains set to control foil or, or destroy earthbound goddesses' plans. Trips into the underworld ruled by the Atlas Eris Loki became the norm. Now, here's the thing. For years, people have asked if they would reprint the rest of Venus, which had much better stories and art than the first issues, because the first issues were just kind of, they were throwing shit at the wall to see what would stick. However, finally, with the Atlas Comics Library, we're able to get the rest of the issues of Venus, which have art by Bill Everett and Warner Roth. It prints issues 10 through 19 it is 34.99 now that i have the first 
of the Atlas Comics Library. These are beautiful books. Scanned from original comics, then cleaned up so that they don't look, you know, like they're printed off comics that are 70 years old and papers crinkling. And as, as I've said before, I was an EC fan very early on. The first uh, um, Overstreet I picked up had a huge article on EC. And then there was an ad for the East Coast Comics reprints. East Coast Comics reprinted 12 issues of the EC books in the early 70s before they went under. But there were still tons and tons and tons and tons of them available. So I ordered them, fell madly in love. Then I heard about the EC library. And I decided at that point, that is my, that was my white whale. That was what I needed to own. And when I started working at Schinders, I would be able to get them at cost. So I did. The thing about that is that EC fandom says that, oh, everything Atlas published was crap and trash and worthless. And, oh, it was all garbage. Well, it wasn't. Stan Lee always had a knack for getting good artists to do their best work. I'm not saying that everything they did was great, but some of the stuff that Atlas put out, I think Joe and I have talked about the Marvel Masterwork Battlefield. Highly recommended. Those are some of the best war stories I've ever read in any medium. They are as good as some of the Two-Fisted Tales and Frontline Combat stuff that EC did. The artwork is amazing because Stan had an eye for artists. He got people like Russ Heath and Gene Colan and and um, Joe Manili and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to this book. I It's one of those things where when it comes out, Joe's going to be able to say, hey, Corey, tell me about that new Venus book. Put down the microphone and uh, leave the house for an hour. Yeah, yeah. And by the time he comes back, I'll probably be close to being done. Joe? Yeah. I actually ordered it myself. And I thought about ordering the first one, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm really curious about the Venus. When I was at one of the comic shows earlier this year, a guy had a Venus number one. Oh, my God. It was gorgeous shape. I mean, I, I and there's no way I could have afforded it, but it was just it was so much fun to see. I'm going to check something here over at CheapGraphicNovels.com because that's where I got mine for like 20 bucks. Cool. Venus. While you're checking that out, I'm going to page 335 under Keen Spot Entertainment. Can I scream? By the and way, they- you can get. The Atlas Era, Venus Atlas Era, Volume 1, hardcover, $35.99. And it, norm, and it was printed at 60 bucks, so you saved 40%. Nice. Can I Scream is the de- debut collaboration of husband and wife comic book creators, John Henrich and Francisca Fentini. In this one-shot supernatural thriller with 32 pages of story, all killer, no filler, Anne is trying to protect her 11-year-old son, Thomas, who has an ability to admit a deadly scream. To stay ahead of the secret government organization that is trying to find them, Anne and Thomas move from one town to the next, never staying anywhere too long. They live off the grid and assume fake identities when needed. Again, 
against her better judgment, Anne enrolls Thomas in a public school where he is secret slips. This catches the attention of the covert team who wants the young boy for their own corrupt use. Three different covers to choose from. I don't recall what I picked up, but it's just a concept sounds very interesting. If you go to page 338, Six Pack in Search of WrestleMania by Brad Balakjian. Yes. They say never meet your heroes. Brad left his position as a magazine fact checker to do, to pursue a dream job, partner with his childhood hero, the Iron Sheik, to write his biography. Things quickly went south, culminating in the Sheik threatening Brad's life. 17 years later, Brad returns to the road in search of not only a reunion with the Sheik, but something much bigger. Truth built, truth in a world built on illusion. He seeks out six of the Sheik's com contemporaries, fellow witnesses to the World Wrestling Federation's explosion in the mid-80s to unearth their true identities, from working out with Tony Atlas to visiting Hulk Hogan's karaoke bar. We see where these men are now, and how they have navigated the cliffs of fame. What makes the six-pack so compelling is the humanity beneath each wrestler. They were real people with families and feelings and bodies that could break. 304 pages for 30 bucks. It is a hardcover. That sounds really interesting. I'll make Most a deal. Most wrestling stories, they're kind of iffy, but that one sounds really interesting. I'll make a deal. You buy that, and let me borrow it when you're done, and I'll let you borrow the Doctor Strange hardcover. Okay. There we go. Next for me, I've got a twin pack. If you go back on page 336, 337, on one side under legendary comics, you've got Godzilla versus Kong the Hunted. It says Godzilla and Kong fans won't want to miss this official graphic novel prequel to the highly anticipating Godzilla X Kong the New Empire. You've been warned it's here right from legendary itself. They're the same guys doing the JLA Godzilla crossover. The next page over on Little Brown Book for Young Readers, The Mighty Onion. Elliot Quigley is sure of only one thing and one thing only. He's sitting on the greatest superhero comic idea of all time. Combine the radioactive onion rings with the run-of-a-mill kid and you get The Mighty Onion, a crime-fighting superhero who gains extraordinary powers whenever he eats onions. It's genius! Elliot can't wait to get his brilliant idea out into the world, but there's only one problem. He's terrible at drawing. Elliot is about to throw in the towel when he lucks upon the perfect illustrator, classmate Pamela Jones, who begrudgingly agrees to help. With his ambition and her artistic talent, there's no stopping this dynamic comic-creating duo. But partnership's a tricky road, and creative differences arise quickly. Will Elliot and Pam stick together long enough to make... The Mighty Onion Vision of Reality. Well, here's a chance to find out. If you go to page 359, we have the second Sixth Gun Omnibus. On a night of blood and, blood and gunfire, Drake Sinclair vanished without a trace. Now using the prophetic powers of the Sixth Gun, Becky Moncrief seeks out to find him. Becky's enemies have often seen her as a helpless damsel, but no more. Once she's finished with them, she will know she's a deserving wielder of the deadliest weapon ever created. But the six gun is a temperamental ally and reveals only enough to serve its own desires. This reprints the six gun 18 through 35. 
written by Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt, drawn by Brian Hurt, Tyler Crook, and Mike Norton. So there will be probably one or two more. Oh, it also has the miniseries, The Six Gun Days of the Dead. So I ordered the first omnibus last month, ordering the second one this month. I imagine they will solicit them on before we get <laughs> any of them printed. Joe. All right. I gotta I gotta recombobulate because I too had this six pack down on my on my list here. On page 342, we're in Mad Cave. They have a book called Morning Star, the number one, 1956. Cotinia National Forest, Montana. When smoke jumper Nathan Garrett perishes in a raging wildfire, his surviving family hopes and happiness turns to ashes. Now, one year following Nathan's death, Joliet Garrett, wife and mother of two, takes her crumbling family to the Morning Star Lookout, seeking solace through closure to scatter her husband's remains. But something far beyond the reach of their wildest imagination awaits the Garrett family in the Montana wilderness, something more powerful than their anguish and torment. Something that transcends time and space. On the next page, you got a good interview and some preview pages. So this is one I'm definitely going to pick up. Five-issue miniseries coming from Mad Cave. Corey? The last one I have. On page 388, Slash presents Deathstalker. Written by Tim Seeley, Stephen Kosani, and Slash, the cult cinema hero Deathstalker, which was in, I think, five movies that were all just, you know, 80s sword and sorcery trash, bursts into a all-star lineup of creators, including Slash, that's right, the guitarist of Guns N' Roses, writer-director Stephen Kostowski from The Void, Tim Seeley, who did Hack and Slash, and Jim Terry, who did West of Sundown, Deathstalker finds himself once again caught between forces larger than himself, including a virgin-worshipping cult, a sorcerer hell-bent on saving the world through mad science, and a pissed-off army of the Abraxan kingdom, not to mention his ex-lover, Princess Evie, monsters, magic, and mayhem. Can't a guy just sing a sw sling a sword around anymore? <laughs> I am picking this up because... First off, the Deathstalker movies were a guilty pleasure of mine in the 80s. Uh, they're, they're, they're not, it's one of those where, oh, I, I like these movies. And one of my friends would say, are they any good? And I said, oh, hell no. <laughs> no, they're awful. They're, they, they, they look like they cost about 50 bucks. But I like them. Why? Because they're sword and sorcery. And, they're, and there wasn't a lot of that going on back then. Joe, something I'm going to point out. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with it. The Nacelle verse from Oni is is starting up. This is some toy lines and properties of the past. Roboforce, biker from mice, biker from mice from Mars. Biker Sa mice from Mars. Thank you. You can tell, just, your, you could tell I, Data was not old enough to watch it. No, but oh I do. Oh my God, I had to put up with that. Selling the toys at the shop, though. Uh, you got sectars, power lords, and many, many more. It starts now in a double 48-page zero-issue spectacular. If any of those properties interest you, run over to page 354 and or definitely tell your comic guys you want it. 
There's also a first of its kind pre-order exclusive to get all 13 issues and one exclusive action figure, which I thought was kind of significant. So that's kind of an interesting thing. It'll come late 2024, but if you want it, you got to order it now or call your guy and let him know. So Ani's Oni is on the on the ball on that one. Are you you done? Did you say you're done? Yeah, I am done. All right. Okay, well I got I got about six more. Let me rip through them quick. On page 362. Let me whip this out. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, still Oni Army of One, Volume One. Tony Lee, Ishan Lee. Could one girl be the key to uniting a world split by an age-old prophecy spurred by Brother Havoc and Sister Fortune? It's a mighty battle between the two greatest sorcerers against each other. It ended by Brother Havoc. He won, shattering his rival into a thousand shards. Now, a millennia later, teenage Carrie Taylor not only learns that she's one of these shards, but each shard created an alternative universe with multiple shards of her out there and a great evil bent on destroying them all. She teams with a handful of alternate carries from across the universe to build a prophecy that will bring Sister Fortune back from limbo to defeat this evil. But the more Carrie travels from broken universe to broken universe, she realizes that she may not be working for the good guys. Perhaps she's may not be one of these shards at all. Indeed, if that's the case, who is she? So let's... Oh. Bump up to pay. Well, you got to buy the book to find out. Yeah, I'm not just going to tell you in some previous solicitation. I will point out on page 366, Doctor Who magazine hits issue 600. They're being published from Panini, started years ago at Marvel Comics. So kudos to them. On page 376, we are in. Who's the publisher? Where are we? Scout Comics, commercial space one-shot, oversized one-shot at a discounted price. Welcome to the Sun and Fun Office Park. The somewhat true story of Blake and Katie, the 30-something couple who inherited a rundown office park in rural Florida, stuck with a gaggle of wacky tenants and a marginally sane handyman, they must find a way to turn things around fast. Rent is due. The clock is ticking. Can they turn a, a profit and avoid foreclosure before the inmates take over the asylum? Probably on not. page, well, no, no, don't be so sure. It's, it's just a one shot, a two shot. You just, you just don't know. Page three eighty. There it is, right in the, right in the, in the upper top there. Silver Sprocket adversary graphic novel. It's in Minneapolis, twenty twenty one. Curtis is newly out, single, and ready to take his life in a different direction. Anton is in an enigmatic young man who recognizes Curtis from their pre-pandemic lives. One casual drink leads to a charged relationship layered with unspeakable needs, a graphic novella about the connection and failure, grief and responsibility, and the effect of world-changing events on the soul of the individual. This was originally published as part of 2022's Shortbox Comics Fair, now being published through Silver Sprocket. Why? Well, I recommend it because it takes place in Minneapolis. On page 381, right across from it, Kalis, number one. No, not the guy from Star Trek. In 1967, the CIA sent astronauts into space to investigate an astronomical anomaly. Unfortunately, before they could report their findings, they mysteriously vanished, never to be seen again. 
That is until today, when one of those long missing astronauts, Scott Andrews, crashes to Earth and emerges powerfully, totally unscathed and hell bent on one purpose to return to where he's been for all those decades. But where has he been? How did he gain his powers? How, why is he invulnerable? What mysterious organization stands in his way, determined to protect the secrets of Kalis at all costs? Answers to these mysteries start here from Silverline Comics. Sorry, Ken. Wait, wait and enthused on that one. My final book is on page 405. And in case you're not paying attention, we're into the manga section. I do read everything. And this one caught my attention and looks creepy as hell. From Viz Media, Stitches. Heroes Katsu Kihara, art by Gino Ito. A tapestry of terror and illustrated horror novel stitched together. Terrifying visuals. A tumor shaped like a man's face slowly moves across a woman's body. The sea shoots glowing balls into the sky, much to the distress of vacationers. And a girl dresses up for a holiday, has no eyes, no nose, nothing. Her face is totally blank. True stories of unsolved mysteries stitched together with page after page of original illustrations, this collection of nine eerie tales, and a bonus manga story. So, again, you can get this. It's a hardcover in black and white, and I, I'm getting creeped out. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to stop, flip the book over, and now we reach the For Brian part of this podcast here. So we're over in the toys now. The first, what, what do you got, Corey? I've got, I've got like a, quite a few. What do you got for us this uh, pot or uh, previews? I have one. One? You're just not trying. Go to page forty-one. Forty-one. I want to make my Tamagotchi live this time. Oh, that's right. They're putting out Tamagotchis again. I want to get one, and I don't want it to die on me. Are you going to get the comic book, the Pure Honey, or the Lots of Love? Uh, I'm going to get the Pure Honey. Of course. <sighs> All right, I guess it's up to me, Brian. Go to page M60. I recommend the Human Torch statue, just because it looks really, really cool. On page 63, I recognize the Crow figure. From Mezzo Toys. Why? Because it looks really, really cool. Speaking of looking really cool, on page 78, forget the other Power Rangers, just get the Rita Repulsa action figure. Because it looks really, really cool. And if that's not enough, you can go to page 85 and pick up the Umbrella Academy board game. This is from Manta Games. It's inspired by the best-selling comic book series. See, it's up to five players. Choose from Space Boy, number five, Seance, Rumor, or Kraken. Then make the most of your incredible abilities to try to save the world. But being part of a dysfunctional family of superheroes isn't always easy. Long-lasting fuse can mess up your best laid plans. Each turn, the countdown to the apocalypse edges ever closer. Threats spread throughout the city. Can you defeat them all in time? The fate of the world is now in your hands. A lot of these items have already been pre-ordered by your comic shop, so just let them know that you're interested. 
And now, of course, because we all know Brian will not be happy till he has every pop in existence. The two figures I recommend he pick up this week are on page 32. Pop schoolhouse rock vinyl figures just get Bill. Because he's a Bill and he's only a Bill and it's a limited chase edition Bill. Right below it from Star Trek Lower Decks, Badgie. How can you not put that right on your computer? Because everybody needs a Badgie. And you can get the other ones as well. They're fun too. But those are the two that popped, (laughs) get it, out at me. And that, boys and girls, is the end of the previews for this month. Corey, how many minutes did we clock in this month? 142. Man, we usually go two hours on this. Very disappointing previews. Marvel, DC, Image, everybody. (sighs) Yeah, it it was really weird that I looked over and I didn't order a single omnibus from either Marvel or DC. Yeah, I, I... which helps my wallet a lot well the nice thing was i was able to pick up a few of the compendiums we talked about whereas normally i would back off and go i'll pick them up later so you know what you should be picking up i'm gonna spend it with someone else you know what you should be picking up what's that my room stuff from these guys our sponsors Our newest sponsor is NordVPN. Let's be honest, if you're out on the internet, you need a VPN to protect you. There's all sorts of things going on on the internet where people can track you. You could accidentally download a keylogger, all sorts of things. NordVPN gives the best security possible. It has a password manager, which generates complex passwords, syncs across all your devices, stores your notes and credit card information. It also gives you 10 gigabytes of private cloud storage, um, secure files that backs up your data automatically. But the main thing it gives you is peace of mind. It gives you peace of mind when you're... um, out on the internet when you're streaming when you're playing games when you're listening to podcasts like this one it gives you safety anywhere at any time it protects your online activity you get full access to all content and if you use the link go.nordvpn.net sh3ku it'll take you to where you could get a great deal for a one-month plan, a two-year plan, a one-year plan. They are our newest sponsor. We're happy to have them. And if you would like to sponsor something here at any of the podcasts on the Solitaire Rose Network, you can. Just email me, network at gmail.com. Thanks. They disappear just because we do a lot of charity work. And I am selling something, Joe. Wait, what is it? Maybe I want to buy it. Go over to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes. Then when you're at ProWrestlingTees.com, in the search bar, put in PW Insider. Cool. It's taking a little while to come up, but when you click on the PW Insider Superstore, the top shirt, which is also their top selling shirt, is, it says party time, and what it is, it is the t-shirt that Lena Renee Gray drew 
for the AEW post-show party. It is a parody of Green Lantern, Green Arrow 76, with myself as Green Arrow and my co-host Anthony Pyrus as the Green... I'm sorry, I'm Green Lantern and he's Green Arrow. It's only $24.99. It's beautifully printed on really, really soft t-shirt material. Buy one, buy five, buy all of them. They'll print more. We are the number one selling shirt for PW Insider, which is why we are at the top, right there, top, cool. top right-hand corner. Why? Because we're awesome. Now, because it is a previews episode, we don't have time to do our regular uh, half hour, 45 minute, or if Joe gets on a roll, hour long freaking and geeking. Oh, no, we you're do. the guy who's got epic rants. Yeah, but you're the one who goes on for 30 minutes with your freaking and geeking. So instead, yeah, because I got freaking, a lot of freaking, I got a lot of freaking and one geeking. People. Oh, all right. Just one. Hey, if you had a lot of freaking, you should have been on the uh, Festivus episode. I tried. Yes. You're a very trying person. Yes. <sighs> all right. Fine. One. Let me think. Mm. I will say, judging by what I talked about in the, the uh, what, what do we call them? The Frankenstein episodes where we piece together things we recorded. Yes, Frankenstein. A Frankenstein podcast. Chris's surgery went okay. She got her septum D undeviated, but she's in a lot of pain and she's bleeding and it's just driving her nuts. She's very much doubting why did I do this? And I'm also like, honey, I had two hips done. I understand, and I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to help out. The best thing she can do is just rest and watch bad TV. For Christmas, I got her Parks and Recs DVD, so she's got. And I, it's a funny show. I've been watching bits and pieces with her, so she's doing a lot better. She's just got to get over it. By the time we get the next podcast, I'll probably mention she's getting the stints out. We did have a brief run to the ER because she woke up, unfortunately, and clubbed herself in the nose. She kind of felt like something was crawling on it when she went to whack it. It, yeah, it burst the floodgates. And so we went into the hospital, the ER room. And I was, I, again, I've talked about going to Ramsey. I've been there a couple times. We got there. It was Saturday morning, and we got in there really fast. I mean, I dropped her at the door. She went in, and she was already being brought back into the room before I caught up to her. So if you got to do an ER run, get there early Saturday morning because, obviously, the idiots from Friday night are gone and taken care of. But, again, they're super staff. They took care of her. They listened to her concerns. We were able to get out and take care of it. And uh, she's, again, for freaking, I'm just glad it's over. Now I get to deal with my teeth. Because I can't chew on the right side of my mouth. But you said only one freaking, and that's that's what I'm freaking on. Corey, what do you what's freaking what's got you going this week? Uh the main thing I am freaking on is that since the beginning of November, 
when I was in the hospital, it's been crisis after crisis after crisis, which I talked about last week. And while I'm old enough to know that there is no normal, I just wish things would get calmer. I feel like I have not had time to do anything for myself in almost three months now. And while I have been able to read some comics, I when I'm uh, visiting my mom in the hospital, I'm doing a lot of reading while I'm there, so I'm reading a lot of books. But it feels like that all the stuff that I need to get done around the house or the stuff that I do, like putting podcasts together or getting together with Joe to do podcasts, it's just there hasn't been any time at all. <clears throat> and I'm wanting things to not be normal because there is no normal but i want things to just slow down i want there to be an end to crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis and part of it is when you that you know i look back and there are times when i have a lot of time where things are calm but when things happen they all happen at once and i'm in the middle in the middle of everything happening at once so Hopefully, my mother is doing better. She's out of the ICU. Hopefully, she'll be able to go home soon. She's got to do some work in order to do that, but I really hope that both she puts in the work and her body heals. Um, I hope that the issues at my office job sort of calm down and um, that Joe and I are able to get back on a regular schedule. Joe, what are you geeking on? Again, kind of a freaking and a geeking, but my, I don't know the word for it. My daughter's partner slash boyfriend slash slash playful pal was fun to be with. He was in town, not for good reasons. His grandma was on the last legs of her life and he came up to say goodbye and it was only going to be a week and he was going to go home. She passed away. So his week ended up being two weeks. He's able to work wherever he is. So he was able to work. And we told him at first when we knew he was coming, we made the offer. Hey, do you want to stay with us? We got our upper story de-daughterized. So again, both Dane and Holly lived there. So in the course of 15 years, you would not believe what teenagers do to a room. And we oh, yes, I would. Okay, you would. It's their, it's their room. I let them do it. So we had a wonderful group come up. They repainted it. We redid all the sightings, the lightings. I am amiss that I do not have their names with me, but I will get them for you by the next podcast and re-mention it in Geeking. Because if you're in the Twin Cities area and you need, tell you what, you just get a hold of me personally, either through my Facebook page, through Corey, through whatever. And I'll recommend them because they do wonderful, wonderful work with every penny. We've had them do our main living room, my bedroom, enough cushing. He did come to our place after Grandma passed away, and the service was last Saturday. Cue the same Saturday Chris went to the ER room. So where I was going to bring him to the service, I wasn't able to do it, which ended up being a positive thing because... He was able to just hang with family most of the day. And then Sunday he went home. He is ready to go home. He just wants to be home. And again, I've been on the road. You can go back, listen to the old podcast when I was on 
where in the world was Joe? And believe me, last thing I wanted to, first thing I wanted to do is go home, which is ironic because first thing I wanted to do is get there, but whatever. We got to do a geeking day. That's a long way around to me getting to what I want to geek on. We did three places because first of all, we are like, where do you want to go? Because he lived here. He was wonderful host to me when we were out in Reno and I got to visit all the bookstores and all the comic stores. Dreamhaven Books was our first stop. While he wandered Dreamhaven, I went to the back and dug through the rest of the dollar books, which I started to do when we did Black Friday, but I had to abort because I was just running out of time. So, and again, Greg abort, and Kelly's got abort, abort. so many things there. And then they have a, a paperback section in back, which is really cool because it's not only media tie-ins, which I bought tons of in the 70s and 80s, you pick them up cheap, but then you see the expensive ones like the Adams family one, or the, uh, there's like a, uh, what, did they, what did they used to call photo novels of? Yes. All oh, those were fun for you kids. They're basically a paperback size thing. And they took photos from the actual TV show and or movie and they put them in their photo novel. So they were just fun things, had all of them, got rid of all of them. And then some of the prices on them making me say, yeah, yeah, you probably shouldn't have gotten rid of them. The next one we went to is Most Wanted Comics had their anniversary sale. Normally when sales like this occur, and believe me, there's a lot coming up, I can't go. This is where they basically, they rented out a, a room in a church and they just brought dollar books. And we got there fairly late in the day. Uh, we didn't go back the following day because they were going to restock. I dropped about 100 bucks, picking up tons of dollar books. You know, a lot of times I pick up things to flip. I didn't really pick up that much to flip. I mean, I found Bionic Woman comics. I picked up a Mighty Man one-shot. Grendel versus Shadow, the three-shot from Image by Matt Wagner. I might have it. I might not. They had a bunch of comics. The uh, aforementioned, let's see, I'm just going through some. Doctor Who, Star Trek Next Generation crossover. Some Dell, Star Trek. I mentioned the aforementioned, or previously mentioned, mentionable DC Comics, Gorilla Thing. Let's see, Giant Lois Lane, Giant Justice League, World Finest, DC Specials. Some weird ones like when Superman fought Captain Thunder. The story, we never, it was basically a precursor to Shazam. Then it was one where he was, uh, Batgirl's falling to her death and she's saying, no, don't, don't save me. Uh, I picked up runs of Fallen Angel that Peter David did. Just wonderful things. And then I picked up one. I actually read it last night. Corey, I need your brain. I think it's Justice League. The first one where Zantana showed up after she found her father and she's wearing that funky boob window cat outfit. Justice League. Why was it reading Justice League back then? The reason I meant it. Okay, hang on a second. Oh. J-L-A. Uh, it's it's after 160 and probably I think it's I want to say it's like 161 or 167 whatever it, she shows up and basically tells the Justice League to blow it out their ass she doesn't want to be a member and she says uh, I don't need help from anyone especially you Green Lantern ballots destroy themselves and they puff and they go away and then Batman's like that was odd. She wasn't talking backwards. And it ties into 
the search for how do you, how do you say your dad's name? Zatanna? Zatara? Yep. Yeah, Zatanna. Which went through a number of books and accumulated in Justice League 51. This was her comeback. And of course, she's wearing a real slinky 80s body suit. It was the first Justice League book I read. And then I read them all the way through until they ended with the Justice League Detroit thing. And I was able to go back quite a ways. So it was a beat up copy. I mean, I know in mint shape, it's probably a lot more, but it was just, it was so much fun to read. And I, I almost wish I could go back and just pick up more of the run. But I just, I just went with the one because I've got so many, I've got stuff from these guys the first time that I never have gotten to. And I'm like, I just, you know, I keep, I keep buying more. <sighs> Ain't it great? The last place we went to was down one of the nerding outs in Invergrove Heights. And we went there because they had a special sale going. Spin the wheel, make a deal. I picked up. And let's see if I can reach over there. Which way did you go? Which way did you go? Oh, the. Uh, oh, thank God for editing. Come on. I don't want to spill everything. Oh, here they are. Good, good, good. Superman All-Star, signed by some guy you probably never heard of, Grant Morrison. What ego that man had. Plays his name right across Superman's head on, this, on the number one. I picked up a Superman Unchained, New 52, signed by some cat named Jim Lee. I wonder what he's doing now. Uh, and a bunch of dollar books. We had a blast. We went home. I think it was a good capper to what became kind of a somber day the next day. And it was fun to just keep. Uh, the only other thing in town, I went to Minton Box, which is a new store in Stillwater. Get there. Tons of comics, tons of toys. I was going to pick up the Sting AEW figure, but instead I picked up... Corey's going to be shocked. Are you sitting, Corey? Yeah. I picked up Null Marvel Tales, signed by Donnie Cates. One of those mm. 62 yeah. comics made, 15... And I'm going to go back and pick up Sting because it was a cool, I mean, that's a cool figure, AEW Sting. So, again, brand new store. I actually got a wonderful talk with the guy. Turns out he used to be a customer of mine at Hot Comics. And I'm going to go back and I told him we do this podcast. I tell him I not only mentioned him in the previous podcast. I think I did. I don't remember. It was a while. I told him I'd gush about it now. So if you get a chance to go there, tell him, hey, that crazy Joe from St. Comics is talking about you got a podcast. Positive words and just a wonderful store. Corey, we got to get out there soon. And I went through his dollar bins, picked up a bunch of dollar books. Oh, dollar books are going to be the death of me. Although if somebody out there has got a Hot Wheel number four, that's the only one I need for my collection. That's all I got. That was not bad. Only 10 minutes. 15. Corey, what you geeking on? I hold in my hand the hardcover Oh, normal man omnibus. Oh, yes. Now, I, I have the trade paperback that reprints the normal man series. This has everything. It's got the, let's see, the 12 issues and the annual, the normal man Megaton man special, the 20th anniversary special, journey number 13, where normal man just kind of pops up into uh, 1800s. Michigan for a couple panels. Uh, Normal Man stories from Cerebus, AB in 3D, and Epic Light, plus a bunch of extras. This is Jim Valentino making fun of superhero comics and all the other comics. Uh, each cover was 
each cover in each issue was kind of a parody of a type of comic. So the first one is very much a parody of 60s Superman with a lot of other stuff in it. We also get, um, let's see, I just want to look at some of the covers here. The covers are all wonderful. Uh, let's see. Normal Man number four is Crisis on Earth Twinkie, which is a parody of Elfquest. <laughs> see, that's Journey. Uh, Normal Man number five is a parody of Richie Rich. Number six is a parody of The Spirit. And this is 1983-84, before there were a lot of parody comics. Um, number seven was actually a parody of DNA Agents. Which, um, if you have not picked up the DNA agents collected trade, go ahead and do that because it's awesome. Uh, they then have issue eight was a parody of a Frank Frazetta cover for Famous Funnies. That's how deep they go. Um, number nine was a parody of Classics Illustrated. Number ten was. No, number 11 was American Flag. Number 10 was Cerebus, seeing as how it was published by Aardvark Vanaheim, which you know, was the publisher of Cerebus. And then uh, issue 12 was Archie with Normal Man's Gals and Pals. The annual was originally printed in 3D. They do not print it in 3D here, which, you know, kind of a shame, but I, I understand why. This is just some fantastic fun stuff. Why I became a huge fan of Valentino. And why I was a little disappointed when he went to Image and he did Shadowhawk, which was basically, what if Batman broke criminals' backs? Instead of the more nuanced storytelling he had in Normal Man or even in Guardians of the Galaxy, where he did fun superhero books. And really, after Shadowhawk, he has not done a lot of comics because he's moved to the business side of Image. And again, that's a damn shame. He is a great cartoonist, great storyteller. And this book, one of the fa- one of my favorite comics of the age. Believe it or not, kids, you've listened to us blather on about funny books for almost two hours. And as we say every week, the comic we like the least, we still like better the comic that you like the most. Joe? Joe? I feel bad. I did not give you a Christmas gift, so I'm not going to give you my normal pun. I'm just going to have you hit my music. Oh, wait a minute. Five ants rented an apartment with another five ants. Now they're ten ants. Joe? Yes, sir. I went to a bar while I was down in Rochester, and when I sat down at the bar, I was hearing all these voices in my head. You look really good. I like that shirt on you. I like your hair. And I was just very confused when the bartender came by. I said, um, why, why am I hearing these voices saying nice things about me? And the bartender said, well, it's the peanuts. They're complimentary. Hit my music.
We done, bitches!